Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your host, Carol Speakerman, and today I'm speaking with my guest, John Maris. John is CEO of Solo Brands, a leading direct-to-consumer company with a portfolio of rapidly growing lifestyle brands, including Solo Stove, Oru Kayak, Chubby's, and Isle. Solo Brands is creating the next generation of direct-to-consumer brands that help customers create good moments and lasting memories. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, with you as well. And, you know, to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and your role at Solo Brands and um, maybe even how you ended up at Solo Brands? Yeah, kind of a, a fun roundabout story. But I started out right out of college being an entrepreneur. I actually started a residential alarm company and uh, I did that for four and a half years. So I remember when my wife and I, my wife and I met in college, we had just gotten married, we were graduating and it was like, really, are we going to do this entrepreneur thing like right out of college? And then, you know, the more we talked about it, it was like, it doesn't seem like it's going to get easier as we, uh, as, as, as we get a little bit older with more responsibilities and maybe start a family. And so we took the plunge for four and a half years. We ran that alarm company and, uh, about four and a half years in decided we had had our, our first two children and decided it was time to, uh, to maybe go get a real job. And, uh, <laughs> and so I sold my half of the, the residential alarm company, went back, got my MBA at university of Texas in Austin uh, through their, through their working professional program. And then ultimately ended up, um, taking a job in sales with a company here in the DFW area in Dallas, Fort Worth area. And from there kind of launched a, a sales career for me. And I've been in some variety of sales really for from that time up until I took the job as CEO here of Solo Stove and, and now of course Solo Brands. So my, my mindset and career has really been all focused around growth. And I had done sales in so many different channels and dynamics. I'd done door-to-door -door sales. I'd done uh, inside sales on the phone. I'd also done direct-to-consumer and B2B. So I had a, a big variety of, of growth and sales background when I joined Solo Stove. In 2018, I got a LinkedIn message from the two brothers that founded Solo Stove, and they said that they were building a sales team and wanted to know if I would come and give them some advice on how to do that. And uh, we had a, a mutual connection that they, they name dropped in that LinkedIn message. So I thought, well, I'm going to kind of help out this, this mutual friend of mine. Um, and so of course I'll, I'll go over there and give them some advice. And about an hour into the conversation, they asked me if I had ever thought about being a CEO. And, um, of course I had, and, and had some aspirations of being able to kind of not just be the sales guy, but be able to really steer the ship in all aspects. Operations is something I've fallen in love with during my MBA. And so I love the idea of, of kind of being able to take the sales side and the operations side and mesh those together. So in October of 2018, I joined Solo Stove as the CEO, and we started what it ended up being kind of a rocket ship type experience. I was the seventh employee, so I was it was a pretty small team when I joined, and we started building out some of the functions in the business, adding players to the team, and uh, and then COVID hit, and um, you know it was it was a scary moment. I think for every company, it was like, what's going to happen next? And then all of a sudden, it became very clear that businesses that were in the outdoor space and businesses that were conducting most of their, their business, which we were at the time online, 
were going to have more problems with supply chain than with driving sales. We started leaning in hard and, and uh, you know, fortunately, we're able to make some very quick moves, position ourselves well from a supply chain standpoint to be able to, to get the products that, that customers were, were wanting and ordering online. And that led to a couple of great years. In 2001, I started kind of having these thoughts in the back of my mind. We were getting tons of phone calls from other direct-to-consumer businesses, and they were asking how we were doing what we were doing. How are you growing the way that you are? How are you creating such intense loyalty from your customers? And I would just take these calls, and I loved just riffing with other, with other founder CEOs, you know, what they were seeing and what was working and what wasn't working. And finally, maybe two or three conversations into to 2021 with a couple of these, these founder CEOs, the thought crossed my mind, maybe why not just, just partner with these guys? You know, why, why not just share ideas, but let's figure out uh, how to do it together. And so we ended up acquiring Oru Kayak first um, in uh, kind of the May, May timeframe of 2021. And then a couple months later, um, completed the acquisition of Isle Paddleboards. It's a surf and paddleboard business out of San Diego. And then um, that culminated to a, a conversation with the co-founders of Chubby's, which is a men's apparel lifestyle business. And we ended up completing that transaction in September. And ultimately at that time, once we had those three, we changed from just being solo stove to being solo brands. Now we had four companies and then ended up taking the company public October of 2021. So just a few years after I had joined Solo Stove, and, uh, and I ultimately became the CEO of, of Solo Brands and now have presidents at each of the, the brands that sit inside of our platform. Wow, that is quite the story. I mean, considering the timeline and all that you accomplished in such a short amount of time and all that activity with COVID thrown in the mix and the supply chain issues that everybody's been experiencing. Um, and if I understand correctly, you guys have been really successful since you went public in, in October of 2021. So congratulations on that. And with all of those headwinds, what do you attribute your success to? For us, it's all been focused on, on customer. Our ability to get customers to love our brand at Solo Stove and, and now, of course, across all of our brands, to love the experiences that they're having, not just with our products, but also the experiences that they're having with any interaction. In fact, I just had a meeting with my team yesterday and we were talking about, you know, customer experience goes so far beyond, beyond customer service and beyond product. What is the shopping experience like? What is it like when a customer or a prospect is engaging with content that we're putting out online? Everything has to, to enhance the experience. And if, if you just look at the, the proof in the pudding, 40, over 40% 40 of our business comes from customer referrals. So when a new customer is finding us, over 40% of the time they're finding us because somebody referred us that's already a customer. And when you can, when you can have those, that type of, of word of mouth and virality and support and loyalty from your existing customer base, when these headwinds hit, like we've seen over the last couple of years, not just in COVID, but obviously then in the post-COVID environment with the war in the Ukraine and inflation and rising prices and uncertainty and bank collapses and all the things, right, that, that we're all seeing on a daily basis, having a, a loyal set of followers out in the marketplace evangelizing your brands and your products 
has been game changing for us. And, and honestly, there's no way we would have been able to do it without our customers. Well, and of course, you guys are a portfolio company and brands are, you know, a big part of your proposition. And also, it looks like you drove a lot of that acquisition activity after you joined the company that it wasn't just all in place. So what is your criteria for brand acquisitions? And, you know, is it isolated to the outdoor space or, you know, what are you looking for when you make these acquisitions? I think it continues to evolve, right? I, I think in the in the beginning, outdoor, you know, lifestyle was really, you know, that that was we were comfortable there. It's a space that we understood, a customer base that that we that we engaged with already. But I would say on an ongoing basis, we're less focused around do they play in the outdoors or the indoors or, you know, is it active lifestyle or whatever, and are more focused on what is their relationship like? What is a brand's relationship like with its customers? Does it have that, that X factor that I, I like to call it? Are customers talking about the brand when the brand isn't in front of them? What does that look like? How loyal are they? What are repeat purchases like? Which obviously then leads to LTV and referral rates and, and retention overall. And then also, is there crossover between that customer base and the customers that we already have. So do we see synergies cross brand with the customers? Again, a little bit cliche and maybe predictable, but it really all roads just lead back to the customer and being aware of who the customer is, what they're, what, what, what do they want? What are they saying? What's their feedback? And how good does a brand engage with that consumer and talk to them and get feedback from them and then react well to that feedback to obviously drive a better outcome? Well, and I can imagine some of that brand loyalty that is already in place and really attractive for those brands comes from the fact that a lot of them are direct-to-consumer brands, or that's the origins of them. So there are some curmudgeons out there, though, who say that direct-to-consumer is just a fad. I mean, what do you think about that, John? Yeah, you know, it's that's. I'm glad you brought it up. It's been an interesting time, right? <clears throat> I think... It's, it's, it's been like this. It's, it's just been, you know, ebbing and flowing. You know, there's been high, high mountains and there's been low valleys over the last few years as it pertains to DTC. I think that DTC can be done right. I think that just like anything else, it can also be done terribly, terribly wrong. You know, without getting into specifics, you know, brands that during COVID were direct to consumer focused and experiencing really amazing growth, but still weren't figuring out how to generate profits or generate positive free cash flow in an environment like this are really gonna struggle. And I think that there are some players out there that have created a, a pretty bad rap for DTC specifically. Um, we've been profitable since our first year, and that's been a very key attribute for us. We don't, we don't run the business unprofitably. We don't generate growth at all costs. Uh, we're very methodical and careful with the way that we go about it. And, and that's what I would say about DTC or anything else. I think it has, to be, it has to be approached with the right foundational principles in mind. And you have to be disciplined and not let things get carried away or let the business manage you. You've got to manage the business. Um, you know, today, our business is much more omnichannel, much more diversified um, and balanced in terms of our retail wholesale mix and distributor mix in our DTC business. Uh, when we went public in 2021, 92% of our business was direct to consumer and 8% was not. Last year we reported 
2022 that 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 shift had had moved from 92% to roughly 80%, so around an 80-20 split. Um, we just on our earnings call um, let the market know that we see a path to getting wholesale retail to about 25% of our overall business. So you're seeing you're seeing that shift. Um, and we're very open-minded to it because again, we're very customer focused. We want to be where our customers are shopping and where there are new eyeballs to go get. And what we're finding is that retailers are doing a fantastic job at bringing new sets of eyeballs to supplement our very strong execution on DTC. So while DTC, I think is still going to be the majority of our business and continue to be a very strong channel for us. We see a great balance between what we're doing on our direct-to-consumer channel with with our, our wholesale retail partners. Yeah, I've been saying that retail's new rule is diversify or die. And, you know, now, I mean, there's, there has been such a big shift in thinking to where it's no longer seen as mutually exclusive, you know, direct-to-consumer and wholesale. And it looks like you guys have found the keys to making them synergistic. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that is the key is, you know, how do you complement and, and be intentional? And I, I think intentionality is really important here. Um, don't diversify just to diversify, but be intentional about the way that you're diversifying. And what I mean by that, just as an example, is, as we think about our expansion into retail, which is newer for us than DTC, right? We were DTC first and now are, are, are shifting into a more omni-channel approach, we're still thinking about strategically, how do we supplement and support our DTC business while expanding into retail versus expanding into retail because everybody's saying DTC is dead or DTC can't be done profitably or whatever. That's not why we're going into retail. We're going into retail because we see great opportunities for retail to supplement our DTC business. And, and a good example of that, that that I'll share is we've been deliberate and intentional about the skew mix that we're putting into retail that our retailers are ecstatic about and excited to have for a brand that's desired and, and customers are coming in and purchasing the product, but still leaves opportunities for customers to come back to our website to supplement that purchase. So they might come and buy a base fire pit, as an example, bonfire is our most popular model. They might go to a retailer and buy a bonfire but then come back to our site to buy the accessory to go with it. And that's important to us because what we value so much in DTC isn't, isn't what most people think. It's not so much tied to it's more profitable. In fact, our retail and our DTC business for, on a bottom line perspective is actually very similar in profitability. The reason we love DTC is because it allows us to have a direct relationship with our customer. And with that direct relationship, we get their feedback. We understand what, they're, what they love, what they dislike, what products they wish that we were innovating into that we're not. And we don't want to give that up as we morph into a more omnichannel approach. And so we've been very intentional and deliberate about how we've thought about retail to make sure that we can still maintain that strength of a relationship with the customer while growing you know, our reach and brand awareness and all the things that you get whenever you go omnichannel. So I think intentionality is very critical. Uh, I think you just gave a master class in <laughs> balancing wholesale and direct to consumer. You mentioned innovation, and obviously, uh, the brands in your portfolio are all about innovation. And in fact, I want one of those foldable kayaks, please. <laughs> but with this need for constant innovation, how do you keep that going along with everything else? I mean, is is there 
such a thing as too much? Are you guys always pushing the envelope or what do you think about that? I think that there is there there is such thing as too much, but I maybe maybe think about it a little bit differently than what you might hear whenever you you hear me say too much. And what I mean by that is um, you can never, I believe you can never listen to your customer too much. And the beauty with today's technology world is that it's never been easier than it is today to listen to your customers, to engage with your customers, to ask your customers for their feedback. And, and because it's so easy, not only to ask, but also to return that feedback, it's an incredible relationship that you can build with your customers where they will tell you where and how they want you to innovate. Now, it's interesting, right? Because I've, I've read a couple of different versions of the Steve Jobs biography, obviously an incredible innovator, built one of the most valuable companies in the world and has changed all of our lives with our devices and everything else. And you know, there's something that he used to say, which is, you know, customers don't always know what they want. And I constantly remind my team, our core competency, what, what Jobs and, and Apple was great at was identifying things that customers didn't even know they wanted and then building great products to deliver those things and helping customers adopt something they didn't even recognize they needed. That's not who we are. What we are ecstatic about doing and what we're great at is listening to customers and then responding to their direct feedback. Maybe every now and then we'll somewhat kind of get onto the gray area of like bringing something new. But for the most part, all we're doing is, is listening. And I honestly think that there are a lot of companies that would do themselves a lot of, of, of good just doing a better job at listening to their customers and responding well. That's been our secret sauce. And it's honestly just not that complicated. I wish that I had some some you know overly you know complex and very sophisticated answer, but it's just not. It just hasn't been that for us. It's really just been listen to the customer, respond to their needs, and then move very very fast to get into their hands as much innovation as possible that they're asking for at a price point that's palatable that they feel like kind of matches the value of what that product would do for them. No, I think you make such a great point because the tools are out there for that listening, you know, with social media and everything else is just there for the taking. And it sounds like you take that opportunity really seriously. Do you, what is your social media outreach and how do you leverage it to that end, you know, to, to do more of that constructive listening? It looks a lot of different ways. The, the thing that I would say here, especially for, for those that are listening and are thinking, okay, like, you know, What's, what's the idea or what's the thing that I need to go execute on is just recognize there's not just one thing. There are so many platforms now and new ones pop up all the time. You know, I mean, two years ago, like TikTok was hardly existent. And now it's a crazy new frontier that everybody basically has to participate in. So don't get singular minded or one track minded in the way that you think about it, I think is probably the best advice be willing to try new things, iterate, get out of your comfort zone and recognize customers are everywhere. They're all over the web. Anywhere that you go, they are too. And so you have to figure out how to be where, where they are and communicate with them. Sometimes the way that that looks is your most obvious sense, right? We have our 
Facebook groups, um, you know, in our, in our Instagram channels and whatnot. Customers come and engage with us. They post their pictures. They make comments, whatever, and we respond. Um, in other times, it's it's more direct. We have an email database, obviously, with our customers, and we'll send specific surveys. Sometimes we run contests to get the, our customers to engage, and we ask them to share specific photos of specific backgrounds or, or uh, in specific environments. And then we pick one and you know, we engage with them that way. Sometimes it's, it's product feedback. So we have a new product that we're looking to launch and we'll actually send mock-ups or samples of those, that new product idea to a hundred customers or of, of our existing products and say, Hey, you get to keep the mock-up, but tell us, tell us what you think about this product. So there's a variety of ways you can do it. We've been, I would say, for the most part, pretty good at getting creative and getting out in front of our customers in a variety of ways. And some, you know, I, I'm not going to share any examples, but some have been terrible. You know, some some were like, yeah, like the customers are totally going to love this. And then it just falls flat on its face. And then other times, I mean, I remember during COVID, we did a deal where I, I, I one night was lying in bed and I was just, I, I do this daily. I scroll through and I just, I'd love to social listen. Just what are people saying about us? They're not talking to me. They're just talking about solo. And I want to know what they're saying. And during COVID, obviously this happened even more. There's a huge influx because people were on, on the internet and on their phones way more than, than traditionally they had been. And this guy it just is is responding and he's talking about or he, he's in a post and he picks post a picture of his rusted out old fire pit bowl and he was like man like just i wish sitting here wishing that i had a solo stove but i guess for now i'll have to rely on old trusty dusty that was his <laughs> and and i was and i just something like light bulbed in my mind and i thought you know what we should give this guy a solo stove. Like it was during COVID. It was right at the beginning. It was like, man, people are going to need cheer in their life, you know? And I don't know what good will come out of it for the brand, but we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. We're going to bite the bullet. And I want to, and so I reached out to the guy and was like, Hey, his name is Eric. It's like, Eric, I saw your post. I'm the CEO of solo stove. And I'm going to send you, I'd love to send you uh a free solo stove and immediately, I mean, he just, you know, what, this is unreal. This has got to be spam. This isn't, you know, this is fake, whatever. And we shipped it out the next morning. He got it. He sent me a note back, you know, a few days later and just, you know, long response, just how grateful he was. And that ended up sparking an idea to engage our customers. And we started inviting our customers during COVID to nominate people in their life that they felt like really could use a pick me up. And I honestly, like, I don't know what my expectation was for some, I should have known better, but I was just thinking like, oh, if we send this out to our customers, like we'll maybe get, you know, a handful, a dozen or two. And we ended up getting thousands of nominations like wow. overnight so much so that we had to engage our employees and our employees helped sift through them all and read stories. And we let our employees kind of select who, you know, what stories really touched them that they wanted to take care of. And, and that was, a, that was just one example of how we engage with our customers. And that one, we weren't even selling anything. You know, we were just giving stuff away. But obviously, you know, I believe that 
when you do things like that, when you put good out in the world, good comes back to you. And, and uh, we certainly were the beneficiaries of, of some major brand building during that time, uh, which wasn't really the intent, but kind of what it turned into. Well, that's priceless. That is a true example of making lemonade out of lemons uh, during COVID and very creative. I love it. So what's next for, for Solo Brands, John? Is there anything behind the scenes, any tidbits that you can share about where you're going next? You know, we are we are leaning into retail partnerships more than we more than we ever have. We're very excited about some of our key partners, Dick Sporting Goods, Ace Hardware, Costco, even Shields. There have been several that have been fantastic partners in the past, but are excited to lean into to our opportunities moving forward. And so you're going to see us doing more of that internationally. We're very excited as well. We. We believe, obviously, that you know, gathering around with friends and family and, and spending time outdoors is a fantastic therapeutic. We were talking about that actually before the show a little bit too, of just being outdoors and, and, and what that means. And, and we have a suite of brands and products that help people facilitate great experiences outdoors. Obviously, that doesn't stop at, at our borders uh, internationally. It's, it's just as appealing and just as exciting. And in the last year and a half, we've seen tons of momentum internationally. That's gonna be a continual opportunity we're going to lean into Canada and Europe and Australia where we've been, but we have some new markets on the horizon that, that you'll, you'll see us uh, leaning into later this year. And, and uh, we'll be disclosing a little bit later on this year. And then I think lastly is, is the product innovation. You know, as excited as we are about the products that we've launched in the past, we have some super fun innovation that customers have been providing feedback on and, and asking for, for a while that will come out later this year. So uh, I think, I think there's a lot of a lot on the horizon. I tell the team all the time, you know, not to steal the the Bezos, um, you know, day one, but it's it's just the beginning, and and we're we're truly on the forefront of of where I believe that we're we're headed over the next few years. Well, that's exciting. You've got global expansion, new innovations, new retail partnerships. That's going to be a big year. It's a busy year. The team keeps reminding me, but uh, we're we're having a ton of fun, and it's again very gratifying. Because for us, you know, the, the core mission is all about helping people create good moments and lasting memories. That's, that's really our tagline. And, and, you know, when you know you're doing that and you're getting, you know, you're seeing the photos that people are posting and you're getting the emails inbound, it makes it, it, makes it super fun. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, John. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom, too, particularly as you talk about expanding direct-to-consumer further, but also complementing it with some other strategies. So, Thanks so much and uh, look forward to following your progress. And again, congratulations on your success. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.